section 18 of mrs diamond this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org read by ruhi hak mrs diamond by isabella thackeray ritchie volume 2 chapter 10 three on a hillside true that we must live alone dwell with pale dejections true that we must often mourn over crushed affections let in the light the holy light brother fear it never darkness smiles and wrong grows right let in light forever anonymous meanwhile poor tempy sits high up on the mountain side on a spur of the old man that overhangs the village and stares at the distant line of rail in the valley by which charlie is travelling away the little brook ripples by her with many sweet contentful sounds and chords then a fresh breeze stirs the leaves of the oak trees round about and many noises come to her with the rising breeze the clang of the blacksmith's forge from the village below and the cheerful voices of the school children striking like a sort of sunshine from beyond the wood a cock sets the wild echoes flying then a cow passes lowing across the road from one sloping pasture to another followed by its calf hurrying into green safety the soft full wind of autumn seems suddenly to gain in life and will it blows up the ascent tempy as she sits there listless and depressed can see the village below still bathed in sunshine and the team of horses winding round the hill and the water of the lake lying bright and restful and a boat zigzagging across from the place the boat disappears behind an elder bush and tempy high perched looking down upon her own short life as it were goes back to that day which will never be over any more when she too rode in the boat with charlie that happy wondrous day to be so soon clouded and followed by parting but she had seen him once more with his pale changed looks and faithful tender vows and protests meanwhile the boat had crossed the lake the sculls dipped the placid surface of the water the boat's head thuds against the end of a long wharf joe hooks the rusty chain to a convenient block of wood then he gallantly hands out his white cambric stepmother who has been sitting in the bow dreadfully frightened but prepared to enjoy herself nevertheless susy still practised that sensible youthful privilege of enjoying the present whenever the sun shone upon it and leaving the shadowy ghosts and omens of apprehension to take care of themselves joe led the way across the flat and by the little village built upon the stream the place seemed deserted the men were at work in the fields and in the mines the women were busy indoors they met no one but tim and tom barrow who both stared and curtsied as they had been taught to do by their mother have you seen miss tempy tim says jocelyn ah uh, gwan up dod man said little tim all in one word after mr charles gotten in the barrow train can you understand him susy asked laughing yes says joe he says she is gone on susy trustfully followed her new stepson holding up her white dress their way lay through a farmyard at the end of the village 
where cocks and hens were pecking and some lazy comfortable cows were bending their meek horns over a trough supplied by the running stream beyond the farm was a little climbing wood of ferns and ling a wonder of delicate woodland all in motion all in life what a lovely green place cries breathless susie joe please don't go quite so quickly is this the foot of the mountain why you are no good at all says joe looking round tempy can go twice as quick i am very sorry says mrs diamond laughing and coming out of the window of the wood and finding herself in the dazzling brightness of the mountain side the crest of the turndale old man towered overhead the shadows of the clouds were crawling along its rocks and heathery flanks the foreground opened but shining beautiful boulders of purple rock were lying on the smooth turf the stream hurried by the air became keener and more keen the country changed as they climbed the nearer hills seemed to shift their place to melt into new shapes under their feet sparkling ling flowers specks delicate points of colour susanna's cheek glowed there was something exhilarating in the sense of the quiet moor all round about of the wide fresh air and the racing clouds overhead there she is said joe suddenly i thought we should come upon her and so it happened that tempy looking down from a rock above sees the heads of two figures against the sky coming straight upon her from the valley she cannot escape why will not they leave her alone all she wants is to be alone to live one over poor charlie's parting looks and words an hour ago how can they ask her to be smiling and complacent and indifferent they who are all happy and contented and together while she is lonely and forlorn and then as tempy looks down defiantly she sees them close both beside her there is joe with his friendly home-like looks and susie silent shy with those appealing glances which tempy scarcely knows how to escape the girl flushed up and turned away she would not meet susie's eyes here you are says joe cheerfully i thought we should find you here what have you come after me for says the girl at bay why don't you leave me i came here to be alone joe i am too unhappy to be able to pretend that is why i keep away says tempy trembling excessively why do you bring susanna if it had not been for her my father would never have interfered never never oh it is cruel cruel then she turned desperately upon susie herself tell papa he can prevent our marriage but what i am what i feel belongs to me and to charlie not to you or to him cries the girl something in her old natural voice and manner after all it was a comfort to her to speak to complain to upbraid to be angry as for susie she flushed up and sighed she did not know how to answer her stepdaughter's compassionate appeal poor little tempy oh susie tempy continued i thought you would have helped us i thought she burst into tears you are all wrong you know said joe quietly mrs diamond did her very best to help you don't cry tempy how different words are out of doors on a mountain side to words shaped by walls and spoken behind doors joe's matter-of-fact susanna's simple eloquence of looks of pitiful feeling touched tempy more than any elaborate words to which indeed she could scarcely have listened at first your father would consent if only he thought it right susanna was saying he knows better than you or i what is best 
ah you don't know she continued speaking not without that personal feeling which gives so much meaning to the most commonplace expressions you must never never know tempy what it is to be linked with a man for whom you are ashamed whose life is one humiliation i have lived this life said susy turning very pale i know what your father dreads for you and that even his dread is not so terrible as the reality i bore it a little while my mother has lived it ever since i can remember her voice faltered tempy looked hard at susy and now it was susy who began to cry you don't understand any of you nobody can understand anything for anybody else tempy said relenting but i should like to be with papa again only promise me to say nothing hard of charlie not a word i cannot bear it i will not bear it oh tempy that you may be sure of cried susy eagerly only come and she took the girl's not unwilling hand the three walked back in silence joe jogging ahead with his hands in his pockets not absolutely satisfied with this compromise and sorely tempted to whistle susanna and her stepdaughter hand in hand following silent but reconciled in that odd intangible way in which people sometimes meet in spirit after a parting perhaps as silent and unexplained as the meeting some great events had been going on meanwhile overhead the clouds were astir beyond the crests of the hills vapours were rising from behind vapours strange shrouded figures were drifting and flying across the heavens steeds and warriors followed by long processions of streaming fantastic forms while the southern hills were lying in a golden stillness the head of the valley was purple black angry the summit of the mountain was half ridden in mysterious rolling clouds sometimes from one break and another break in the rolling clouds yellow streams of gold seemed battling with the vapors you might almost imagine the wonderful radiant figure of the lawgiver coming down out of the glorious haze we had better make haste said joe it looks like a storm and he trudged faster and faster the cows were whisking their tails and crowding together in the meadow as they crossed by a stile and a short cut back to the farm again the opposite side of the lake above crowbeck was calm and bright with the sky showing through soft mists midday shining through silver they come round by the village and its straggling lodging houses built of country stone with slated roofs from the quarries it is civilized life again after the solemn mountain side dr jeffries dashes by in his gig you must make haste he cries flourishing his whip the storm is coming then they met george tyson from the place coming with bread and provisions in a basket come down and help to shove off the boat george says tempy who as usual gives her orders with great authority and so they come again to the sandy shore ye'll hae no but time to get home before the storm says george pushing them off with a mighty heave it took all joe's strength to get the boat across for the breeze was freshening every moment the colonel was waiting anxiously at the other end he helped out his wife with anxious care joe you should have come home by the road he said severely he held tempy's hand for a minute as he helped her out i wanted you home my dear he said papa i'm glad to come but i shall never change to charlie said tempy looking hard at her father the colonel's face grew set and black i'm sorry to hear it he answered and he dropped her hand and turned abruptly away 
and walked ahead with susy the storm broke before they reached the house after her warm greeting the girl seemed to draw back she did not sulk she did not refuse to join them but every day seemed to divide her more and more from her father and stepmother she used to go for long walks across the moors and come back tired and pale and silent she took to sewing a thing she had never cared for in her life and she would sit stitching all the evening silent gloomy no longer monopolizing the talk with cheerful vehemence scarcely hearing what was said miss bolsover used to come in some time and then tempy would brighten up a little one day susy found them sitting hand in hand by the fire tempy seemed to be in tears miss bolsover was wiping them with her lace pocket handkerchief aunt fanny looked up with her usual flutter as susy came in you mustn't mind her liking to tell me her little troubles she said tempy knows well enough i don't said susy with a sigh she must come and stay at the hall we know how to cheer her up aunt fanny continued playfully susy looked at her miss bolsover turned away with a faint giggle generous eyes have looks at times which malicious orbs cannot always meet end of section 18